Hi all, welcome back to the Ripple Podcast, your fortnightly guide to the 2021 Ripple Anthology. I am Raven, a postgraduate publishing student and assistant managing editor of Ripple, here with Maya. Hi guys. A fellow master student at Kingston and part of the team marketing the 2021 anthology. In the run-up to the submission deadline on 6th of December, we will be interviewing other members of the Ripple team and fellow Kingston students alongside self-published authors, professionals from the book trade, getting writing tips, book recommendations and insider info on the publishing process at Ripple. This week, we are joined by Abby Jean from the Ripple marketing team. Hi, Abby. Hi. So, Abby, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at Ripple? Sure. Um, so, I'm Abby. I'm an MA student at Kingston as well. I'm doing publishing. And within Ripple, I'm on the marketing team. Um, my main kind of roles and jobs that I've been doing is reaching out to people who've been published by Ripple previously in previous years, trying to make connections with, you know, other people who've been published from Kingston University to get them to get on board with our marketing and then just the general kind of side of it as well, like posting to our social medias and just spreading the word, really. How did you find getting in contact with the previous creative writers and submitters to Ripple 2020? It was actually really nice to do that um, and I'm so pleased that we're, we've got them in a blog now that was uploaded yesterday um, or whenever, whatever date. It was great because like pretty much everyone I spoke to had had like, a really great experience with Ripple and like just really enjoyed seeing their work published. So that's really exciting for us to hopefully create that experience again for next year's Ripple. So yeah, it was just lovely to chat to people and they had lots of time and they were so great. So yeah, we've got them in a blog and they've also like got a few quotes that we're putting on our social media, a few tips and yeah, just kind of like encouraging and inspiring people to submit to Ripple. Um, so hopefully they uh, people will because it is quite amazing to have your, your work published. For people listening, that blog post was uploaded on November 23rd, 2020. It is titled Be Brave, Advice from Previous Ripple Authors, if you're looking for it, because I don't know when this is going to come out either. <laughs> As the editor, who's to say? (laughs) In the run-up to the submission deadline, most of our marketing is centered on getting submissions. Can you tell us a little bit about our Meet the Team blog posts and the writing prompts and how and if that has helped us in gaining submissions? Yeah, so with the Meet the Team, um, we kind of wanted to do that anyway, but it's just kind of a really nice way to put a face to to Ripple because obviously... There's a, there's a big team and we're really nice people and we want you to chat to us. So we just kind of want to make sure people feel like they can, you know, message us on whatever platform or email us. We will. We are already busy, but we will definitely make time. We'll always get back to you. So, yeah. And, and that kind of encourages submissions, because if we have a dialogue with people and, you know, we can help you guys, then you're more likely to submit and um, maybe submit more than one thing. So um, that was kind of that. And we just wanted to. Make sure you all felt like you could approach us. Um, and then with the writing prompts, it's just kind of a fun little competition for the competitive amongst you. And just kind of to give a little bit of a helpful hint, something to spark your ideas if you were struggling to think of anything but definitely wanted to submit. So, yeah, if anyone was kind of like umming and ahhing about it, hopefully now you've thought I'm definitely going to do it. And it's been such a strange year and we've all been having like going through this weird experience so we just thought it would be a nice way to kind of get the ball rolling on the submissions with that with some of the prompts 
and the whole team on Ripple like voted for the prompt so we were already excited about it and wanted it to um, be successful so yeah. Yeah I think it was a great way because we as we discussed with Kathy last week we didn't have one specific theme for the anthology like they have had in previous years so I think that was a great way that if people submitting didn't necessarily have pre-prepared pieces or pieces that they were submitting elsewhere then they could write something totally new based off of our prompts. Yeah absolutely because obviously it's great not having a set theme because you're not restricted but sometimes when you have too much choice it's really hard to make a decision so sometimes it's nice to have like that little prompt to get you started. Yeah I think 2020 has also been a year of a lot of people reimagining their own creative identities and like who they are as a creator so you might have had a set roster of pieces that you submitted places but are no longer feeling like those pieces really reflect your new identity that you've kind of come out of all of this with in the way that things that you want to talk about now so it I think it's useful to give people the option to send us whatever but I think a lot of people are looking for outlets that also guide a little bit yeah absolutely and you can do both you can submit something that you already have you can submit something new and you can also do the competition so there's no limits really well there's a few little limits <laughs> guidelines for submissions but you can do multiple submissions um so yeah it's a really great way for if you're you know if you want to do more than one thing then by all means please do wow raven you blew my mind with that whole I always thought it was 2020 is the year of the identity crisis, but maybe it's the idea of like I the mean, you go identity, an identity crisis and then you come out of that crisis, maybe hopefully with a new understanding yeah. of who you are in yourself and in your place in a community. Or even if like you are now considering or like thinking about loneliness in a new way and like isolation in a new way, which might not be something you've ever had to deal with before. So that could even be further aspects. Like, I think a lot of people are learning about themselves in being forced to be alone with themselves. Because I know a lot of people who've never really sat down to have moments of self-reflection because they were a little bit too scared to before and have kind of been forced to do that now. And it's really changed their outlook and how they view their work, including like creative outlets and like general like career work, school, everything. Yeah. yeah. And now people have more time as well to to devote to those kind of things. And write and submit to Ripple. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's ripple.com. Even, <laughs> even though we have a lot of uni work as well. Oh, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We are recording this between two of our online lectures for anyone <laughs> listening. If anyone was curious how we found anyone the time. Wanted to know. <laughs> So, uh, class. so speaking of uh, 2020, which I have decided to dub the year of virtual networking, uh, <laughs> what does a social media campaign add to the promotion of a book, do you think, Abby? Um, well, I think it's all about creating a conversation now. Um, and we use social media to do this anyway. And then definitely this year people use it a lot more in that respect and like I was saying earlier we want you to kind of like chat to us and tell us what you like what you don't like ask us questions um so it's kind of that and you can really create a community online as well is it like our only way of communication now <laughs> like social media really feels like the first like point we go to in terms of chatting like find, like like you say networking so it's it is definitely really important but it can still be fun 
I think that's what we have to remember. I think we were all, when we started with the marketing team, honestly, the nerves of people being like, um, is this okay for us to post? And we would like double check everything. And then now, like, we're all really relaxed and, you know, everyone's posting on there and, you know, everyone's Laura's posting memes on Twitter. Memes are happening, like, <laughs> getting to that stage where it's fun and, and that's exactly what it should be so that we can we can have those conversations. Exactly. And it's such a big part of the sort of book and publishing community as well. I mean, I know personally, that's how I found out that MA publishing courses even existed was through social media. Yeah, definitely. It's like the first point of contact now, isn't it? It's like you say, that's how you kind of discover things. So it's, um, yeah, it's definitely vital. <laughs> yeah, I don't think people realize how important social media and networking are to jobs, especially in all industries, but also in the publishing one. There are a lot of Twitter accounts dedicated to publishing jobs. I can't think of any off the top of my head. Pub um, interns is is one of the... Yeah, there's also something jobs, and I can't remember what it is, but there are a lot of Twitter accounts dedicated to publishing jobs, a lot of publishing houses or um, magazines or things like that will publish job alerts on their social media, so you'll see that before you'll see an email from monster.com in your (laughs) inbox. Yeah, you definitely will, and also that's kind of how I found all the people who've been published from before. I did like a, a big batch of emails to Kingston accounts, but obviously not everyone's still on there. And actually everyone who responded, it was through social media, through LinkedIn. Um, so that's where you can make professional connections now. Yeah, I've recently started using Twitter and stuff to make professional connections. I just went through and followed a whole bunch of people and accounts and also was adding all my LinkedIn connections. If anyone was wondering why I sent them a LinkedIn <laughs> uh, request really late last night. so in the past episode we spoke quite a lot about creative writing submissions but also we do accept art and illustration as part of ripple can you talk a little bit more about that for us abby yeah absolutely so um we want obviously we haven't got a theme this year so we wanted it to be really open and we just really wanted to include the art submissions and illustration submissions because it's part of publishing it's part of you know art and writing and book and the industry so I wanted to involve it and open up to more students if people were like wondering then hopefully you know now they'll be like yeah no I'll definitely do it so there really are no rules in that in terms of we just need an image of it that will look good in in the published anthology so kind of when you take a photo of your art or like scan it in or however it's going to be as long as you're happy with how it looks digitally so that you know you'd be happy when it's published into Ripple but yeah so that's really exciting um, just to add add to the anthology, really. That's great. Thank you. Just a heads up, the guidelines for art and illustration are that images can be scanned and sent in high res if possible in whichever format works for you as long as our judges will be able to open and view it. Graphic novels up to four A5 pages. Remember, we're printing in a portrait A5 format, so make sure your work looks as good as you want it in that size. If your submission is smaller, that's fine. We won't size it up, but if it's larger, we'll have to size down. Okay, we're going to finish up with our book club segment. Maya, what have you been reading? So I have set up a Kingston Publishing MA book club, which basically meant that I just 
started a WhatsApp group and invited everyone against their will. And the first book that we sort of all voted on was My Salinger Year by uh, Joanna Rakoff. And I finished it in basically a day. It was really enjoyable. It's about, uh, it's a memoir about her time at a literary agency that was representing J.D. Salinger in the 90s. And yeah, it was just a really, a really fun good read and gave some interesting insight into the publishing industry actually I um there were certain sort of disputes that different people at her workplace were having and I was like oh my god I understand what this means now because we were talking about it in class the other day so it felt like I had interesting insider knowledge so yeah but uh I definitely recommend it even if you're not interested in literary agencies or the publishing world it's just generally enjoyable book and also claim to fame I posted about it on Instagram and the author commented. So not to brag or anything. But the best day ever, right? <laughs> May is famous I've... on Bookstagram now. Yeah. <laughs> Just got my hundredth follower. <laughs> With my um which is mainly all my boyfriend's art direction rather than mine, so I can't really take credit. But yeah, what about you, Raven? What have you been reading? So I've been rereading Lunch Poems by Frank O'Hara, and this is specifically the one that I have is the Pocket Poets edition. Um, It's number 19 in the Pocket Poets by City Lights series. City Lights is the publisher. Uh, It is a series of small poetry books that are, I believe there's over 60, and they're published as recently as a couple years ago, starting with, like, starting in the 50s. Um, because Lunch Poems was, yeah, it was published in 1964. Um, but this is a, the version I have is a 50th anniversary edition because Lunch Poems is a really famous series of poetry. They're by Frank O'Hara, who is a mid-century gay poet in New York City. Uh, he wrote these poems during his lunch breaks uh, at his job, like his day job, where he would like his poems are very much about like what's happening around him and like things that he is seeing in the city and events that are happening. He also was friends with a lot of like really famous people or people that would become famous later. So like he was friends with people like James Baldwin and stuff. So they show up in his poems, just like they're just there. (laughs) And it's kind of funny to read because he's talking about like getting dinner with them. And you're like, but that's James Baldwin. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I love James Baldwin. Um, And they're just buddies. (laughs) And same with, like, he talks about, there's one, oh, no, this isn't a different one, but there's, he has a poem that's dedicated to, like, Allen Ginsberg, who is, like, ridiculously famous. Allen Ginsberg also was published by the Pocket Poets series, uh, his poem Howl, which ended up getting this publishing house. They got an obscenity charge from the, and the publishers fought the charge off with the aid of the ACLU. Yeah, I recently also read Howl, which is really good. But Frank O'Hara is one of my favorite poets, and Lunch Poems is just like a really fun, light read uh, that gives you a nice little insight into like daily life in the 1950s in New York City. That's really cool. So, yeah. That's great. I never, I'm so dense about poetry. Like, I've read Ariel by Sylvia Plath, and that is it. But Raven has inspired me, too. I've been trying to get people into poetry. I have, like, last week I talked about Don't Call Us Dead. This week is Lunch Poems. I do also have a copy of Howl by Allen Ginsberg here. But it's a Penguin edition, not the Pocket Poets. 
I have Frank O'Hara's Meditations in an Emergency, which is another one of my favorite ones. Um, Crushed by Spurshid Sykin, as well as his other book, War of Foxes. If Not Winter by Ann Carson. And I also have a selected editions by Frank O'Hara with like a lot of his poetry in it. Yeah, awesome. I really like poetry. <laughs> I also really like Margaret Atwood. She's a Canadian, so I feel like I need to mention her. I just don't have any of her books that I can <laughs> see right now. Anyway, not enough about me and poetry. Abby, what are you <laughs> reading at the moment? Um, I'm reading The Betrayals by Bridget Collins, which I'm like extremely passionate about. And I mean, if you've seen me at uni yesterday, then I'm last week. I've had it in my bag and it just keeps slipping out for people to have a look at. Um, but it's so good. Um, I don't know if either of you have read her first book, The Binding. No, I haven't. No, I haven't also like phenomenal um but basically I was reading this so it's her second book and adult book sorry she's done like uh, young adult books um but this is her second like adult fiction and it's really good and you know just really pleasant read and then I just got into chapter 32 and everything has just got juicy like it's just like reached another level I audibly gasped I had tears in my eyes and I was just like whoa and then I had to come and do all these lectures today so I haven't been able to read anymore and I'm honestly I can't even (laughs) I love that when you can't wait to get back to it I actually can't (laughs) is it uh is it a thriller so it's actually so hard to explain what it is I just realized I did not describe it in any way um so it's set after the depression in Paris in France and it's so hard to explain like without ruining it because so basically there's (laughs) I don't I picked the worst book to tell you because I can't explain it um there's a guy called Leo there's a woman called the Magister Ludi and then there's a character called the rat and each chapter is from like one of their perspectives and there's also the diary of Leo when he was at the school 10 years ago that we're also seeing like in alternates um so you're kind of piecing together the story and it's all about like how the different characters entwined and Magister Ludi is the sister of um this guy called Carfax who was Leo's friend when they were at school together and it's just all about the different relationships they that they all have now but there's a massive twist and it's so good um and and the way she writes it's just so clever because it all pieces together and you think you know where it's going you're like okay oh yeah you're him and you're that you're their dad and da 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 and then it's you're wrong. It all changes. I love books like that where you don't really know what's going on, but then in retrospect it makes sense. I yeah. think it's really easy to do poorly. Um, and I've just made read so books well. where it's bad. But yeah, when it's good, it's good. Yeah. It's yeah, I so don't know good. if I don't know because obviously I haven't read it, but I don't know if you could compare it in a way to like Girl Woman Other because that's how I felt about Girl Woman Other when I was reading it. I was like oh my god and they're connected to this person and then they know this person through this storyline and yeah it's yeah. when it's done well it's yeah really good it read. works right but when it's done not well it's just not the same <laughs> yeah it can be really disappointing when it's like and really he was the killer all along and it's like but why like why do I, <laughs> this doesn't but actually why? make any sense yeah I don't really care I'm not feeling a payoff but when when it's done well it is the one of the most satisfying things about reading if you can like in retrospect piece it all together and it's like this makes the book make so much more sense and adds an extra layer to everyone's interactions that's that's why I I like never read fillers 
I have like no interest in thrillers and I think it's because I read Gone Girl when I was 16 and that just the twist blew my mind so much that I was like nothing can ever live up to this now like (laughs) no every book will feel like a like poor imitation of this like we're all just chasing the high of Gone Girl if you really think about it (laughs) yeah um but yeah everything in this it just in that like I read a sentence and then I reread it and then like so many things just clicked into place and I was just mind blown and the same in her last book uh, The Binding you get to the end of part one and you're just like oh my goodness and then you have to like on it's yeah I can't like recommend her enough to read great really great Thank you, Abby, for joining us today and giving the lovely listeners some more insight into what's going on at Ripple and what the marketing team have been up to recently. If you would like your work to be considered for the 2021 Ripple Anthology, please send your submissions to ripplesubmissions at gmail.com with submission in all caps in the subject line. Please include your full name and K number, as well as a couple sentences about you. Make sure not to put your name or K number in the actual submitted document so we can judge anonymously. Our judging team are a lovely unbiased bunch, but we want to ensure that everything is fair. For a full list of guidelines, please visit kingstonripple.wordpress.com slash submit or check out episode zero of our podcast where Raven and I talk through all the specific criteria for submitting. Thanks again to Abby and thank you all for listening. We look forward to seeing your work in Ripple 2021. Bye. 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 Thanks for having me, guys.